Bachelor, Bachelor, live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 802 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what you're waiting for. We go now to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. Or maybe it's a tie line. I don't even. Where, what is Batch joining us via the phone? Good old fashioned telephone. Brendan Batchelor here now on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? How's it going, guys? Uh, we are well. I hope you're well as well. I'm going to, you know what? There's a lot of different, really important pressing questions, but I, I just want to know from your perspective Saturday's game against Detroit. When Jake Wallman busts out the gritty, did he even <laughs> was it even on your radar because of the amount of things that you had to do and call? You got a very busy job, a very important job during a game. Did it even land on your radar when he did it in the moment? It did because I was aware that he's done it in the past. Right. Okay. And so I was thinking about that as a factor, but um, I, I didn't mention it in the moment in the call, um, mostly because I think I'd finished calling the goal and wrapping things up by the time he started doing it. So, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, Canuck fans would be hurting from, from having to hear that they'd lost the game in that fashion enough without rubbing extra salt in the wound. So I, I left it at that. But, yes, I, I understand that it's kind of a trademark for him. He's done it a few times. And, uh, you know, that was clearly an opportunity for him to break it out with a, a penalty shot winner in overtime. Okay, that's it. We have now exercised all gritty talk for this, at least this next half hour. We'll do it again in what we learned, I'm sure. Uh, okay, uh, we are now at the end of a five-game road swing out of the All-Star break. And Jason and I were talking about it at the onset. And we're like, you know, there could be some adversity here. They've got really tough games against Carolina and Boston. They got the backs to back, back to back on Saturday and Sunday. But you look at it now, and at least in terms of wins and losses, you can't really consider it an adversity-filled trip, even though there have been some down moments for the team. You know, laying a dud in Boston was bad. Losing Zadorov to a suspension was bad. But it's been a very interesting trip in that regard, Batch, because you don't have like the, a five-game losing streak or anything like that. But there have been some hard times for the team on this trip. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I, I think this is going to be one of those situations where at least internally they are going to be looking at the process more so than the results. And, um, you know, Rick Tockett kind of preaches that regardless of whether you're winning or losing, and we've seen him be very critical after some wins and very complimentary after some losses. So, you know, they do have the chance to go 3-1-1 one, and one on, the, on the trip with a win tonight, which in any other season, in any other scenario would be considered a a roaring success for a five game trip with some of the teams that they've had to play. But it speaks to how much the bar has been raised with this group that, you know, I'm sure internally, as well as some of the conversations we're having externally around this team, there is some criticism of the way they've started games, giving up the first goal early of all the shorthanded goals they've conceded but the encouraging thing is that they continue to find a way to get results in spite of some of the things that are happening with them right now that 
you know, would, would very understandably lead to losses, yet they're finding a way to get points and get wins. And this is kind of what we've talked about where they're going to face adversity at some point, and we're going to learn a lot about them based on how they manage that adversity. Well, there has been some adversity on this trip. They're a team that, you know, has been uh, a front runner in terms of leading in games and taking leads into the third period. And we've talked about that so much this year. It hasn't been that way as much on this road trip because they haven't been ready to start a lot of these games because they've been giving teams momentum swings by allowing them to score on penalty kills. And yet here they are with a couple of wins and an overtime loss uh, out of four games to show for it with a chance to get another two points in Chicago tonight. So that to me is encouraging because it says that this is a team that can battle through things going against them and still find a way to get it done. But you know, with inside that dressing room, they know that they're capable of more and they'll be frustrated that they haven't played as well as they can to this point coming out of the all-star break. Hey, Bax, the Canucks have 76 points. How many points do you think they'd have um, if not for the three players that comprise the third line? That, by the way, that's what we're calling it now. We're not calling it the third line. It's like the Ohio State. It's like the third line. There are other third lines, Batch, but, but not this is the, third, the line. third line. Yes, well, as uh, a graduate of the Ohio State University, I'm sure Dakota Joshua will be happy to hear about uh, that name for the line. But, um, you know, to answer your question, that, that line has been a game changer for this team. So I don't know if I could put a specific – point total on where they would be without those three guys playing the way that they have, but it would be, you know, maybe significantly fewer points is too strong of a word, but they would not be where they are now. They would not be at the top of the NHL standings. Um, And, you know, even look at this road trip where I think you could probably say with relative accuracy that, a lot of the Canucks struggles come down to the fact that their top six hasn't played very well, but we're not sitting here criticizing the third line because they bring it every night. They find a way to control play. Uh, Even when they're not generating offense, they're still a difference maker. And um, that's something that Rick Tockett talked about earlier in the season, you know, in relation to Connor Garland specifically because, you know, I I think it was maybe in November there was some conversation about how he wasn't producing very much and his numbers were down. And Tockett essentially said, you know, he's playing great. He deserves more points than he has right now. And, you know, we need those guys to focus on how important they've been for our team and not the point production because that's, you know, not what they're going to be judged on. And, you know, sure enough, eventually they did go through a stretch where they were producing points every game. But even when they're not, they're, you know, such a huge difference maker for this group in terms of line deployment, especially on the road, that you can feel comfortable putting them out there against almost any line on any other team that you know that they're going to control play, that they're going to get in on the forecheck and grind and make it hard on other teams. And that oftentimes we see in-game sets up the top six for success because, the third line or the third line will get the puck deep, will grind, will tire the other team out. They'll hem them in. They'll get a change. And that's where the top players get to come out and, and work their magic and generate some offense and create opportunities. So they've been absolutely integral for this team. And there's no way, look, I wouldn't have predicted that the Canucks would have 70 plus points at this point in the season anyway, coming into the season. But if you said that a big part of them being as successful as they have been would be that Bluger, Joshua, and Garland (laughs) come together and are this tremendous line that allows them to tilt play, 
I would I would not have believed you, you know, full stop. So full credit to those guys for finding some chemistry and continuing to play consistently. And that is a line that will be a huge difference maker for them in the playoffs if it continues to play this way because the style of game they play is well-suited to the playoffs. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if once we get into April or potentially May, we're talking about the third line generating a huge goal or a huge swinging momentum in a very important playoff game to help this team get a win. Uh, well, let's talk about the top six right now. Um, is it? I know the Canucks didn't practice yesterday. Um, do you expect that there still could be some changes to not only the lineup, um, but I guess more importantly for this conversation, the composition of the top six? Yeah, I, I think there's always the possibility of of changes in the top six as long as, you know, they haven't been clicking on all cylinders. Now, you know, there's two, I'm of two minds on this, you know, one is you want to make some tweaks to try and see if you can get some of those guys going. The other mindset is chemistry is going to take time, especially for a guy like Lindholm arriving on a new team. So maybe you want to give the lines that you've built here a run of five, six, seven, eight, eight, maybe even 10 games to see if they can generate some chemistry before you start tweaking and changing things too much. Because for a guy like Lindholm, you know, this is only going to be his fifth game as a Canuck tonight, and he's already seen a couple of different looks in terms of his line mates. He started with Patterson on the wing. Now he's in the middle with Miller and Besser. And, you know, it's going to be hard to find chemistry if you keep tweaking and changing things every single game or every few games. So, um, you know, I do wonder if Talkett wants to give these lines a bit of a run and, and see if they can get going. But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if he's not happy with what he's seen and wants to try and tweak things to see if he can find some of that magic. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to hard to say which one of those two mindsets is going to be the correct one. But, you know, I, I heard you guys chatting with Brett Festerling yesterday, and he made this point, and I absolutely agree, that the huge benefit for this team is that they went out and got Lindholm early. Mm-hmm. So they've got a lot more runway to figure this stuff out than maybe some of the other teams that are going to go chasing guys closer to the deadline. Uh, I know you can't force chemistry, but um, I think it's pretty obvious like that the Canucks wanted to find someone to play with Pedersen a better player to play with Pedersen. Are you a little bit surprised that they went away or Rick Tockett went away from Pedersen with Lindholm after, granted, uh, a pretty disastrous game in Boston, but it was only one game? Yeah, I I think part of it is message sending maybe, and part of it is, is trying to figure out the chemistry, like, um, you know, saying to both of those guys, look, we have to shake things up because you guys were both dash four together in a four nothing loss and that's not going to be good enough Uh, i expect we'll see lindholm and Pedersen back together at some point whether it's in the short term or the longer term and and i also expect that we might see the lotto line at some point too and and that's kind of where i look at in terms of where things could end up with these lines is can you can you deploy them in a way where you have lindholm as the centerpiece of a second line that you trust in tough matchups that you use as a shutdown line um, that, that plays that sort of role. And then you go to the lotto line and say, okay, you guys, 
you know, just worry about offense, go out there and produce as much as you can for us. And, and, you know, that, that's something I'd like to at least see them try before the end of the regular season, because of that stretch where the water line was so good together. And, you know, the possibility of being able to recreate that while now having someone that you trust as a, a second line center that can play in some of those tough matchups. But, um, you know, it remains to be seen how patient they are with the way things are now. It remains to be seen uh, what they look at for Pedersen. You know, to be honest, it remains to be seen if they don't have more moves coming in terms of trying to add players up their lineup that could make a difference. So, um, you know, long way of saying yes, I think they do need someone to play with Pedersen. I think Lindholm could still be that guy, um, but there are a variety of options for them there. And, I would imagine they'll exhaust a lot of those options before we get down to the the stretch run and into April. I know you don't want to take any team lightly in the NHL, but Mm -hmm. the Chicago Blackhawks are not good, and they can't score. Um, The Canucks called up Jet Wu. Is there any chance we could see Jet Wu? Maybe if you're the head coach, you're like, I think our lineup needs a little bit of juice to it, maybe. Um could this be a night where you could see the debut of Jet Wu? Yeah, the way I look at it is you've got one game left in a road trip, and granted, you only have six healthy defensemen, so you do want another body in there in case something goes wrong. But uh, And, you know, we'll find out based on what happens at morning skate and hearing from Rick talk it later this morning, but you know, to put Susie on IR and call Wu up and fly him out to Chicago for nothing. I, you know, that maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're just saying we need some insurance. We'll get the kid up. We'll give him a reward of, of, you know, some NHL money for a few days because of how well he's played this year. And we'll let him take warm up and, and, you know, get a a taste of that experience. But to me, if you're going to bring him out to Chicago, you're playing the Blackhawks. He's had a good year. Um, you know, you had to play Friedman and Juleson together on your third pairing the last game anyway. Why not throw him in the lineup? Give him a chance. He's going to be excited. Maybe he brings some energy to the rest of your roster. Why not play him? So we'll see if that's the mindset that they have as well. And I'm sure Rick Tockett will talk about that in a few hours here when uh, they're on the ice for morning skate. But uh, that's how I would look at it is why fly him to Chicago for nothing? Why not give him a chance to get into the lineup and, and a reward for a really good season that he's having down in Abbotsford? Yeah, I agree, Batch. I really hope that's the thinking as well because I'd like to see him play tonight. Uh, I know you got a lot on the go, including the game tonight, so have a good call. Best of luck with everything. Uh, we'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you. That's Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. A reminder, you can hear Batch on the call tonight. 5.30 puck drop from the United Center in Chicago. And another reminder, pregame, postgame, all right here on Sportsnet 650. You know, it was a sneaky, funny moment in Rick Tockett's postgame avail after the Capitals win was when he was asked about Nils Hoaglander only playing 11 minutes and 54 seconds. He was like, what? I did that? He was like, oh, I thought I I I kept calling his name. (laughs) Um, What I would like to see just as a – um, experiment is I would like to see Suter okay. with Besser and Miller, and then you go with. Uh, I know where you're going with this. Hoaglander, Pedersen, and Lidholm. The Trey Croner line. Yeah, yeah. I want just put I'd the like sweets to see together. I here's the thing. I keep going back and forth because I'm like, you have to be able to let these units play together for a couple games 
But there's also the mad scientist, which are like, I want to try this. Yeah, and yeah, I want to yeah. try that. And, and I, what Batch says, like, if you have a really bad game, and Pedersen and Lindholm had a bad game together, you can't just be like, well, go, you know, like there's a level of accountability that things have to change after that. If you put Pedersen, Lindholm, and Hoaglander together, who do you want playing center? That's a good question. I I, I don't know. So, I think you, you know, Lindholm gets the first period, Petey gets the second, and <laughs> if things aren't going day. great. Like, how much have you played center, Holgie? I think my first, my knee jerk reaction would be have Patterson as the center because mm-hmm. I that the one game where he like Lindholm started as a winger on Patterson's line. Mm-hmm. I actually think that might have been the best that he. You know, it's a four game sample size. I'm not freaking out, so just chill. Nobody's out. freaking out. Nobody's freaking Nobody out. But I think he looked out. good there. At the same time, I'm like. Is it maybe more pragmatic to run it back with Lindholm playing with Miller and Besser and give him another shot at it? Mm-hmm. Didn't look great, but that's okay because it's really the first time the three of you have played together in that in that type of environment. I don't know if there's enough speed on that line, and that's a legitimate concern. Yeah. But I just don't know how. Li- I'm not an NHL head coach. I only play one on the radio. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much runway is adequate, right? Yeah, I mean, this anyone that's coached at any level, when you're forced to make decisions about playing time and deployment, mm-hmm. it can be, you know, like house league ten year olds. You're still, it's a, it's an age old question. It's like, do I give them time to figure it out, yeah. or do I say, okay, enough's enough, we got to try something try different something else, for the yeah. betterment of the team? Right now, the beautiful beautiful thing about the Canucks, especially in tonight's game, you can play with your food a little bit. You can. I hate saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. All due respect to Luke Richardson and the collection of fringe NHLers and, quite frankly, AHLers that the Chicago Blackhawks have. Yeah. You're at the end of a trip. You are going to be fine with your record. You've got a chance to play Jet Wu, and you got a chance to play around with your lineup a little bit because you probably will be able to manufacture some sort of result against, and shockingly, not the lowest scoring team in the NHL. They're the second lowest scoring team. Who's the lowest scoring The team? Sharks. Really? Somehow the Sharks have fewer goals than the Blackhawks. Now, <laughs> if you go back and look at the first part of the season, when Bedard and, and the rest of the guys were playing, the Blackhawks actually had some fairly high-scoring games. Yeah, I get, I, and I guess that. They were playing a little yeah. bit more river hockey, as Rick Tocca likes to call it. Now it's just, I don't know what it is, mud hockey, I suppose. Do the anyway. Sharks, have, have they put some guys on LTIR? Thomas Hurdle. Oh, okay. Yep. So he will not be traded at the deadline. That's one of those ones where it's like my knee's aching, and they're like, do you want to go on LTIR? He's like, yeah. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. And then everyone's happy because they don't have to do anything, really. Okay, uh, what we learned, I want to do one because it took a while, actually, in his rookie campaign, but we finally got the quintessential Victor Wembenyama performance last night. In the best game of his young NBA career, it took up approximately until game 50, uh, Wemby wrote his name into the history books yesterday with a triple-double, but not just any triple-double, Jason. The very rare triple-double where you hit double digits in blocks. I love it. He I had a career-high 10 blocks against the sad sack Toronto Raptors yesterday. And I don't know if you saw how he got the 10th one. It was on fellow rookie, mm. Raptors rookie, Grady Dick who was basically falling to the floor oh. while trying to shoot, it looked like... Was when we'd be like, that counts as a block! It looked like a little kid trying to play basketball against his dad. <laughs> the block was so... Inf- and Grady Dick just kind of lied on the floor afterwards, and he threw a tantrum. 
Um, so Wemby. Beca- so what was the stat line? Points, obviously. Here was we one go. Of them. Okay. Twenty-seven points, fourteen rebounds, a career-high ten blocks. Here's the crazy part: he had five assists. Mm. So he wasn't that far off from having a quadruple double. How many? How many? How many steals did he hit the floor? Two. For any steals? Two steals. <laughs> He did it in 29 minutes of action. He didn't play that much. Uh, first NBA player in more than three seasons to post a triple-double that included the 10-plus blocks. So um, only 34 guys in NBA history have done this. The guys that did it the most are obviously some of the most immortal bigs of all time and shot blockers of all time. Hakeem Olajuwon, Dikembe Mutombo, David Robinson had a bunch of them. So Wemby joins the pantheon of greats. In uh, San Antonio Spurs, big men, including David Robinson. So kudos to him. Um, the Raptors are so bad right now. Uh, I, that game, so when the, the schedule was first released, everyone had the Wemby game in like a premier game in their season ticket package. And mm-hmm. the broadcasters were fighting over who could get it. But the Raptors have just had such a really uninteresting season despite all the trades because it's been sell-offs right and I know getting RJ Barrett in and getting Kelly Olynyk in has kind of brought the Canadiana aspect to the forefront but it's been a real tough campaign um, anyway they did lose last night by the way Wemby got a win as well in a 122-99 smackdown of the Raptors so kudos to Wemby uh, he's I, I want Wemby to become the first NBA player to have a quintuple quintuple double, right? The quintuple, the, the quad, the quadruple double has been done before. It is Four super times. rare, but it's been done. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was only five assists, and uh, what was it eight? Right, eight steals away from the, from the quint. <laughs> eight steals away is a, is, <laughs> a lot. is a long way away. But they barely played him. Yeah, they could have thrown him out there for longer. See what he could have. Can done. You imagine if he's just like just going after the ball the whole time diving on the floor he covers half the floor when he dives and he's fouled out yeah he's also incredibly injured okay uh cow that <laughs> we got to go to break so whatever bruff and the dogs have in store for what we learned will have to be on the other side you're listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650 hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans the people's show with Vic Nazar subscribe and download the show on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.31 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet today. got a few what we learns we need to get through here very excited because intern jag has a what we learned usually the intern program at halford and bruff you build up to like thursday or friday depending on what day they get sick of us and take off 
Uh, and then that's when they do the what we learned. But Jag has stepped up to the plate. I'm very excited. We're going to start with Laddie, though. Laddie, you have a what we learned. Then we're going to go to Jag, and then we're going to go to Jason. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, spaghetti What, what we learned got? that the rollout of the new Fanatics uniforms in Major League Baseball, not off to I a good this. start. So the players are complaining. They're unhappy. Miles Michaelis of the Cardinals said the pants don't fit right. <laughs> They're no longer customized. The fabric is very different, and the jerseys look cheap. He posted a picture of it. Yep. They do look cheap. They look screen-pressed. They look awful, and somebody posted the the fan version of the new jerseys that are coming out, and they look even worse. They look like the, the numbers are folded because mm-hmm. they're just screen-printed on. They've moved the MLB logo from right behind on the back of the neck collar to, like, 10 inches down. Yeah. So it's it just over looks top so of the weird. Plate, and then they move the nameplate down. They look super budget, the jerseys. And these are like, this includes the on field yeah. uniform. I know. So I feel like this is going to be an issue that's going to be pushed forward by the players a little bit more. And the Fanatics rollout is not off to a good start. I, I like many of our. Uh, George Cassandra in charge of this rollout? Apparently. <laughs> I, like many people, have ordered from Fanatics. And I could not get over how awful. Awful the quality of and stuff was. NHL fans, this is coming next year yeah, for you because they will take over all of the, the rights for the jerseys. This is a call to action. Get out to your stores, buy those discounts because stores are going to look to get rid of last year's stock yeah, and it will be better than the upcoming stock. So get an old uniform while you still can. Mukau. Okay, intern Jag, hop on the microphone there. He's the new basketball Ben, by the way. He's got a basketball, what we learned for us. Hopefully it's not about Wemby's triple-double because I just did that one, but I digress. Uh, intern Jag, take it away. So what we learned is that the Phoenix Suns are finalizing a deal to sign Thaddeus Young, and this is someone who spent the past two seasons with the Toronto Raptors as well. He was drafted the same year as one of the Suns' superstars, and Kevin Durant both were drafted in the year 2007, and I really like this move for the Phoenix Suns because he brings that veteran presence that, you know, Jeff Green was with the Denver Nuggets last year. He brought that to mm. that championship squad as well. He might not be efficient in terms of points or assists or whatnot, but, you know, having that veteran presence in the locker room is something that the Suns needed, especially with their front court also lacking depth. They traded away a few players last week at the trade deadline, so this is a good move. So this is one of the ones where the guy gets traded and then the team waves him. They're like, go find somewhere else cooler to play, right? And in his case, he's like, I think I'm going to join the Phoenix Suns. There's a handful of these after the deadline. So the trade deadline exists in the NBA, right? So he got traded to the Nets, right? Yes. And then the Nets cut him. Yeah. And then he found employment rather quickly. Yeah, no. So he's allowed to to play in the playoffs though or he's a fully yes. fledged member of society and the national basketball association regular okay. season and playoffs Strong- are you a Suns fan yes okay and that started with that started Nash? In, uh no this I'll, I'll be honest i started as a Suns fan back when chris paul got traded to the Suns in 2020 okay so this is what the this is the youth <laughs> oh, it's like did you like dan marley too <laughs> <laughs> and tom chambers those are my favorites I'd rather, you know i'd rather i'd rather be honest you know because uh yeah. the Suns have been through a very rough patch similar to the similar to the canucks as well but you know i started when chris paul got traded it's been fun okay now we have to ask the other obligatory question how old are you i am 19 oh my god He's not even 20. I am the oldest man alive. Mookow. <laughs> Speaking of old men, Jason Bruff has what we learned. The Suns are in the sad club, aren't they? They've yeah. never won a title. Nope. They've been yeah. close. They have, they have been close. Uh, I've got some sad news, but I still wanted to pass it along. 
Um, I learned that uh, marathon world record holder Kelvin Kiptum, um, and this guy was going to be a top contender for gold at the Olympics in Paris this year, was tragically killed along with his coach in a car crash in Kenya. Um, and the Kenyan president said in a statement, he was only 24, Kiptum was our future. And the age of 24, when it comes to distance runners, um, there was another Kenyan gol- uh, golfer, Kenyan runner, um, Sammy Wanjiro, who won gold in Beijing, mm-hmm. who died in different circumstances um when he was 24 years old um if you want to read about that it's you know some people say he committed suicide others say um he was murdered um it all developed uh after a domestic dispute um but also prefontaine mm-hmm. was 24 the runner out of oregon was 24 when he was killed in a car crash um but this kelvin Kiptum young man uh was an incredible talent and that he broke the world record in the marathon in only his third appearance in an elite marathon yeah he's the only person in history to run a marathon in less than two hours and one minute and it of the seven Uh, officially officially officially, and of the and of the seven fastest marathons recorded in history kept him at three yeah, and he was uh I mean it's really sad when you go back and uh read some of the the quotes. He was really excited for the year. Um he said the Olympics is is in 2024. Um I I'm going to be happy to compete in the Olympics and sc- secure maybe gold. And I think in the world of marathons like everyone is waiting for the first officially sanctioned sub 2-hour marathon, mm-hmm. which to me is just like incredible yep that anyone could do that um i've actually seen um things where they'll they they will put like good athletes but but kind of like average joes on a treadmill at the pace you need to run at there's a sprint for most normies yeah yeah in order in order to break the to break that record and most people get literally thrown off the treadmill Mm mm-hmm it's going so fast. Yep. The pace is incredible. It's like yeah. you, you have to sprint for two hours, where most of us couldn't do it for 20 seconds. So uh, we're not going to moo-cow this because that's sad news, but we are going to start printing out some submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. What We Learn Humanoid Editions is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation. At $200 off, visit them online at GetFirePlan.com. Oh my God! We're having a fire plan! Sometime the administrative nonsense works against you. This is one of those times. A couple people texting this one in. Hashtag WWO What We Learned. Morgan Riley's in-person hearing is now no longer... An in-person hearing, but it's not because it got knocked down to the level of just a phone call. It's a snow day mm-hmm. in New York. There's a snowstorm hitting New York. So, so it's got to be on Zoom. we got to right. see faces. Right. So, by the way, I just wanted to clarify this because I wasn't even aware of this. It's like the overtime rules in the NFL and the playoffs. 
Um, I did not realize that just because you have an in-person hearing, it's not like you have to have a minimum of six games no, or more. No, they can still suspend no. you. Why they can suspend you? Not at all. They just yeah. want to give you a stern they, talking but to. They, no, they want to have the option, the option. available. The option. Give, yeah. So this just is an option. This is still an in-person hearing, but it's being done via Zoom. But it'll have all the implications. Okay, everyone make their predictions. I'm going five. Uh, I'm going to say six because I think that's why they had the in-person hearing. They're going to let Greg cross-check him in the neck. In a very rare ruling. Yeah. is going to go with one dollar. Yeah. Uh, 5.5? 5. 5? No. <laughs> I was, I was going to go six, so Alfred stole my answer. You're going six? Like I think it's possible they go four. It is possible. I can yeah. see it. I mean, anything's po- anything is possible, as Kevin Durant was. Kevin Durant. Kevin Garnett once said. But um, I got a feeling that the reason... Anything's possible. Anything's possible. That's how George Peros is going to finish his ruling. Um, I do think that this is going to lean more towards the stiffer and harsher punishment mm-hmm. because the only, honestly, the only good take that I've heard so far, and I apologize for not remembering who wrote it in the aftermath, but they were saying that um, traditionally there has been an element of the immediate revenge and the punishment that goes along with that. That when you try and seek out immediate retribution mm-hmm. like Riley did, and given the other circumstances late in the game, games over, all that stuff, that it's going to rise to the level of a pretty significant suspension. The worst thing that I read today was that George Peros has a grudge against the Maple Leafs because in 2013, whilst as a member of the Montreal Canadiens, he was knocked out by Toronto tough guy Colton Orr. Oh, well, he should be suspended for the revenge factor then. I was like, the amount of logical leaps that the brain had to make to write yeah. that article, it's up there on the internet, so you know it's true. Yeah. Anyway. It was, I f- th- it was funny in Paris's statement about the suspension that he said, uh, revenge is a is a dish best served cold. Yeah, and then he just wrote Colton Orr over and over and over again. <laughs> and then he laughed for a while. And then he laughed and laughed. Manical and it was laughter. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wow. That's um, an evil laugh. Uh, Jamie the Armstrong Fisherman, what we learned. The Canucks will lose against Chicago because everybody is looking past this game to the Detroit Revenge Greedy game. Everyone complains that NHL players don't have a personality, but when they do something like the Gritty Sally, everyone gets bent out of shape, grow up social media. You know, not everyone is getting bent out of shape. I, I honestly wonder how many of these people are using, are almost like tongue-in-cheek talking about the Gritty Celebration. I think more than a few are. I've had the entire show to think about. When I saw it, Put it this way. It stood out to me right away, and I was like, oh, that's not good. And I'll leave it at that. Really? Yeah. Okay. First the first thing I thought, and not because I was like, oh, this needs to be responded to, but because you, I- You were like, you were like Joe Buck after Warren, who was it, Randy Moss? Randy Moss. This, this is, is that, a despicable- this, That is disgusting. Yeah. No, I just knew that it was not going to end well. Right. And it might not. Um, um, I think it might just end. I got, Craig. Uh, I got a golf one for you. Oh, okay. This is one. Craig, yeah. with what we learned, the waste management has turned into a drunken booze fest. Not a good look for the tour. Curious what they do next year. We talked about this yesterday, and we got a bunch of pushback in the Dunbar Lumber text line, particularly calling us old men, and that is fair enough because we also said, like, the waste management used to be something that I wanted to go to, and then I was watching the scenes of it um, on – both the broadcast, but mostly social media. And I'm like, that looks like a nightmare. I just disagreed with the pushback, though. Like, I think we made it abundantly clear, or at least I did anyway. I don't have a lot of time for people that drink to the point where they're acting like complete jackasses. Yeah. Right? 
It's supposed to be a little social lubricant so you can have a good time. And look, if the players are on 16 and they make a great shot and everyone chucks up their cups in celebration and the players are into it, great. Mm-hmm. But like the uh, like hooting and hollering during the backswings and when yeah. the guys are trying to put on a show so that you can celebrate, mm-hmm. like that, and that to me is just like that's just drunken oafish behavior. But there were there were bra- more, there were brawls. Yeah, like, I know. That's fights. the other thing too. There right? were fights breaking out. I don't have a lot of time. And... As, as someone that enjoys handling his liquor, I don't have a lot of time for someone that is just gonna go like completely ham mm-hmm. when they've had like six natty lights at a golf at a golf tournament. I do wonder what the conversations are like. Does like waste management go like uh we liked being associated with this and we still wanna be associated with this because we think overall it's good for the brand, but um we don't want to get it to the point where a lot of people are turned off by it. If I had to guess, they're going to let the sort of social media and the, the backlash and the fear die off, and then they'll be right back at it next year. Because it is their brand mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, here's another golf one for you from our good buddy Justin, and he's fan. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. Tiger Woods has partnered with TaylorMade to launch a new apparel brand, Sunday Red. He then wants to know if Mike and Jason launched a clothing brand, what color would you choose? Sports sadness, sea green. That's one. Black would be it. We wear an inordinate amount of black. Oh, yeah, black slimming company. Yeah, yeah right, right. Isn't it called? It would like, be not as fat as you think. Black. Is it? Isn't it called like Sunday? Is not. Yes. So sun space day space red. So it's not for cloudy days. No, just sun. Just sun. Day. I am surprised that it took this long into the Tiger Woods. Is it only story. red shirts? That's pretty limiting. I don't know, to be honest. I didn't do that much research into it. But you would have think you would have thought that someone would have capitalized on Tiger's sort of famous Sunday red earlier in the game. Like as as a very pale guy that sunburns, red is by far my worst color. Um, like by far, I don't when wear I, a lot when of red I, either. Yeah, when I wear point. red, I look awful. Yeah. I just look I like see that. one big sunburn. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like staring in directly into the sun, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, it's like, imagine, you know, like... guy on fire over there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't wear... Yeah. I, 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 although, you know, I, I don't really have a shirt that I wear on the final round of big golf tournaments because I've never been in one. That's another wow. key part of this. A lot of guys are like, I don't wear red to golf. I'm like, you're also not a competitive golfer. Like, you can wear it anytime you want. It, <laughs> no, one's gonna think, no one's going to think you're insulting Tiger Woods. Uh, Leaf, hashtag WWL, what we learned. The Gritty... Is a poor consolation for not having Quinn Hughes on your dance card to the 2018 draft. Yeah, I was going to extrapolate. How many ways can we extrapolate this out? The one was going to be is that uh, this is the Red Wings, who of course infamously passed on Hughes at the draft, are now somehow getting some sort of like payback by dancing on the Vancouver Canucks with the gritty in an overtime victory. That's like something an unhinged Maple Leafs reporter would write about Morgan Riley. Toronto has not done itself any favors this past these past forty eight hours. No, they're not helping their image. Not helping anything involved with. There, I've seen way too many conspiracy theories. Way too many. The Leafs have a reputation with the Department of Player Safety. You know that it's always sunny meme of what's his name pointing at the board with all the Charlie. on Charlie. Yeah, yeah. That's that's Leafs Nation right now. Yeah. In a nutshell, what's his name? It's the most basic name you can think of. I just Charlie. I always, I always forget. Table saw James, what we learned. You think you're old. When I saw Wallman dancing after scoring his OT winner, I had to ask my kids, is that a Fortnite thing? Kind of right. 
Kind of right. And then I would be like, what's Fortnite? <laughs> uh, second question, please. <laughs> I like Todd has bad takes text. George Peros will do the gritty after suspending Riley for six games on Zoom. <laughs> would be inappropriate response. <laughs> would it be inappropriate? Did George Peros just do the gritty? Uh, Iron Blair with what we learned. In Kyle Shanahan's playoff games, his teams have been outscored 68-12 to 12 in fourth quarter and overtime. Not going to work. Go Packers next year's NFC champs. Is that in Super Bowl games? That must be Super Bowl games. Yeah. Well, <laughs> regardless, is not good. Uh, well, Shanahan. That the whole. See, it's funny. So I was reading a ton yesterday. Um, the athletic, the guys that they have covering the 49ers at the Super Bowl, like Tim Kawakami and some of the other guys from the Bay Area, are really good writers. And they were all they really said was, "You have to, you know." take pride in the fact that Shanahan has got them to two Super Bowls in four years, which is an extremely difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. He's done it with two different quarterbacks, not exactly heralded quarterbacks either, right? Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. Anyone but he was the have... OC for the Falcons too, right? Yeah, yeah. but there was also some talk about that being more on Dan Quinn as the head coach and Kyle Shanahan as the mm-hmm. OC, right? Anyway, point being, the, the the articles that were coming out of The Athletic were you know, how many more shots do you realistically get at it? Because so many things happen in an NFL season. For example, Dre Greenlaw, a borderline all-pro linebacker, tore his Achilles running onto the field. Like, things happen all the time yeah. that change the trajectory of your team. I mean, remember when Brock Purdy did his elbow yeah. against the Eagles, and then all of a sudden it was Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback? Like, things happen. So you can't just say, well... They got a good team. They got a good run, and they'll get back there because it's so incredibly difficult to get back there, and so many things can. But get for in your way. now, Brock Purdy has got to be a net positive for them, given his salary. He's twenty four years old. Makes he makes like, no money he makes whatsoever. Like Five dollars an hour, and he can't make more than that. Right? Yeah, he's like you're stuck at this wage. No, like, they I'm will like an intern here. No, they will have a decision to make once he's owed that big contract. Mm-hmm. But um, for now, I, I imagine they're probably just going to try and run it back and. And try again. Like they, they, it, it's not all the pieces. They could have won. Well, yeah, they were up by ten. Yeah, and they blew it. Ah, uh, here's Kurt with what we learned. We referenced this earlier on the Wyshynski call. Go back and download the Hour One podcast if you want to hear it. So ESPN's got this thing. It's the positional rankings. It's ten active players and then ten front office executives. They put together a ballot of who the best guys are at their positions, which I thought was a pretty cool exercise. So Kurt points out that Quinn Hughes finished as the second-best defenseman in NHL in terms of voting, but there's a general manager in the NHL that doesn't think Quinn Hughes is a top-10 defenseman in the NHL. It's Alvin. He's playing 4D chess. He's thinking about that next contract. Could you imagine? He lets it slip. He's like, it was me. No, I... um, By the way, the one guy that a lot of people were shocked by that didn't make the list in terms of balloting, not a top-10 defenseman... The only defenseman taken before Quinn Hughes in that draft class, Rasmus Dahlin, mm. didn't make the list, and he was on it the year prior. So um, it's also, if you want to go read the list, because it's quite good. So it, Hughes is in that rarefied air that you would expect with Kale McCarr, Miro Heiskanen, and Adam Fox. And then you can go down the list, and there's a couple of veteran guys in there. Roman Yossi made it in the top 10. Drew Doughty made it in the top 10. But yeah, the, the major exclusion this year was Rasmus Dahlin. Who is the favorite right now to win the Norris? Hughes, but not by a lot. Yeah, in terms of... Um... We, well, ESPN also does the voting. They do their awards updates, right? So Hughes... I mean, they were... They Hughes had... and McCarr, is it not? It'd be the two names down at it's the Hughes, end. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Hughes, Hughes and McCarr race, yeah. yeah I, with Noah been... Dobson might be like... Well, there's a, there's a bunch of guys, Dobson... 
Hedman's having a really good year too. Yeah. Well, in, in terms of point totals, who mm. who's the other guy you were talking about? Well, the top four in terms of best active defenseman, Heiskanen won't get it because he missed a lot of time this year. Adam Fox was the other guy. Okay, from New York. You know who's got the best plus minus among defensemen? Quinn Hughes, Philip Hironik. Really? Plus thirty five. Yeah. I mean, I guess that shouldn't come as that big of a shock. The Canucks are like plus fifty three, are they not? What do you mean plus thirty five at this point in the season? Like, I yeah. feel so. You know good. what? I think our show should be the one that brings plus minus back as a relevant. <laughs> no, please. Oh, no, yeah. No, no, no. Then you're gonna not? start with goals against you average. Why not? This no, nonsense. No. And of course, the third best defenseman in the NHL is Gustav Forsling, uh, followed by Dylan Demello and Brandon Carlo. See, it brings other defensemen to light that we don't talk about enough. We need to do goalie wins. No. I want to go into all the archaic Please. stats. No. Yeah. And goals against average. They used to, the NHL no. used to give out a trophy for the best plus minus, you know. Mm-hmm. It was they the, still give one out for the best goals against average. I know. That's <laughs> kind of dumb. But uh, it used to be the Bud Light plus minus award. It was great. Wait, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Go back and look at this. it. I think Jeff Schultz of the Washington Capitals won it one year. What? How long did this happen? For? They actually—it was just a can of beer. They're like, "Here you go." Was it just one season, or was this? No, no, no. It was around for a while. Do you have to shotgun it. Is there a rule? Plus, minus is a is a unfairly maligned stat. <laughs> Why are there teeth marks in this trophy? <laughs> it's there's beard, son. All right, we're up against it for time. It's been another fun show. The Canucks are in action tonight. I like this. And you know what? Bring back RBIs. Yeah. Like, we need some old school RBIs? Runs batted ins? Ins, plural. You kids are going to do your gritties. Yeah. (laughs) Especially bring them back for the Jays, i.e. learn how to get more of them. Yeah. Can you get some guys across the plate? That I agree with. Okay. Uh, We got to get out of here for today, but we will be back tomorrow. To look back at a game against the Chicago Blackhawks tonight at 5.30. A reminder, pregame, postgame, actual game, all right here on Sportsnet 650. For now, though, we got to go. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. He has been Intern Jag. And this has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.